American Redoubt Radio Operators Network and is a nationwide disaster preparedness network made up of patient-oriented radio operators. So, Amron phonetically, Alpha, Mike, Romeo, Romeo, Oscar, November. This is a directed net, so please hold any traffic until that control station calls for it. Any emergency traffic may break in at any time. Whether you're seasoned or new, this is the place for patriots, preppers, and partisans who understand the necessity of being able to receive and share information with others. When conventional communications are disrupted or compromised, grid up or grid down, this is Partisan Radio. Welcome to Volume 30 of Partisan Radio. It's been a a few weeks since we've been able to produce a Partisan Radio podcast, We are currently at AMCON 5, which is the lowest AMCON condition level, with no known threats to our communications infrastructure. If you are a net control operator, be sure to announce the most current AMCON level in the preamble to your net script. Thank you all for tuning in and participating in the nets this month. It's been off to a great start, and I have been preoccupied, as you know, for the last uh, several weeks. And it has been a very busy schedule, but there are some things that I wanted to share with you today. First of all, starting in February, we will be conducting 20-meter nets during the daytime. That was supposed to start in January, but we got set back because of current events. So in February, that is going to begin, and I am going to be posting a post this week with the details on the new nets. So during the daytime on the first and third Wednesday, it will be a 20 meter net. And then we will do the regional net or 40 meters actually, uh, beginning that evening where the 20 meter net used to be. And then Thursday nights will be the normally scheduled rolling nets. So there'll be lots of opportunities for folks to capture the net word of the week and report in. Great job for everyone. And I've corresponded with several shortwave listeners that were excited to be tuning in, listening to the Amron Nets, even though they cannot transmit. They just simply checked in by clicking on the tab on the right-hand side at amron.com. It's the tab titled Net Check-Ins to let the net control operators and all of us know that you were out there. And you can do that anonymously. I had another email this week, someone asking if they minded if we start a local regional HF net in their area. This one in particular was in Arizona. Now, our response, of course, is yes, do it. And they did a trial run on a trial basis to see how it would go. And it was a great success. That was in Arizona, and you're going to start seeing more regional nets begin popping up across the country. This falls into that concept of compartmentalization, which I'm going to be talking about here in just a little bit. This particular net, being on a trial basis, had net check-ins that only lasted 10 minutes each, starting at 40 meters, then they switched to 80 meters, and then 20 meters, all voice. Now, 20 meters doesn't work well regionally because it is a long range or a DX 
band, the 20 meter band, is for long range. You will skip over just about everybody for four to 500 miles, sometimes more, depending on conditions. But they're going to assess and find out where their successes were and make adjustments. And so we'll be able to look forward to seeing that added to the net schedule. Another area where we are working with Amron operators is Florida to get regional nets set up in Florida. So that'll affect those of you in Georgia, Florida, probably Mississippi, around in the southeast United States. So we want to encourage you to set up regional nets where you are and uh, increase participation. We will always continue with the regularly scheduled HF nationwide nets, but it's encouraging to see a lot of other regional regional nets start up. If you have questions and you would like to start up an HF regional net in your area anytime during the week, during the day, weekends or weekdays, that is completely up to, to you. We want to support you in that. If you're interested, contact me at John Jacob at Radio Free Redoubt. And I'll get you pointed in the right direction. We'll get you connected to the folks that can help you and get a net control packet to you that has the tools with everything that you need to get a net up and running and added to the directory. This week's main topic will be somewhat of a debrief as much as I can cover for the Oregon deployment of several Amron core operators. And there were some things that really came to light we wanted to pass on to you guys. I was contacted by a delegation of elected officials that were going to Burns, Oregon on a fact-finding mission to get both sides of the story to look into potential overreach issues by the federal government and to hopefully work with both sides to find a peaceful resolution to the situation that's going on right now in Harney County, Oregon. Now, this was a just-in-case communications support operation where we were in the area, but not necessarily in Burns, Oregon itself, and nowhere near the refuge where that current situation is ongoing. But there was another group of patriots that were supposed to be converging on the area as well. There were three percenter militia groups and patriots that were converging on the same weekend and the same day that the delegation was supposed to be there. The concern was just in case there were an escalation in the the security situation and the response was to cut conventional communications by the government agencies there dealing with the tactical situation, they wanted a lifeline or a link to the outside so they could continue to coordinate with other legislators, clergy, veterans groups, and uh, others in in the the patriot community to make sure that they could safely uh, be extracted from the area. So they asked for communication support. This was a great operation and pretty much as much as we expected, it turned out to be just a really great training opportunity for several folks and an opportunity to build relationships with other Amron operators. So it was a good training exercise and it was an eye opener for several folks. Now where we were located in the vicinity, there was no cell phone data or Wi-Fi coverage. So 
that left us with a few things that <laughs> turned out we would have added to the list a little bit later. First of all, I'm going to pass on some of these uh, some of these lessons learned to you. The first thing that you want to do, and we did a lot of these things as well, but for your consideration, if you're responding to a disaster or uh, some type of situation, wherever you are in the country, here's some things that, that we did, some things we didn't do, and we wanted to pass all those things on to you, what worked well and what we should have done and could have done. First of all, you want to make sure you get a list of repeaters for the a- area of operations, also known as an AO, a- including the repeaters along your route. You want to make sure that you set up a chirp file for customizable programming for that operation and program those prior to deploying. But keep that chirp file on a thumb drive. That file can be used for programming other radios for folks that didn't have time or they were not able to, or you acquire another radio. Uh, You encounter somebody who maybe got one of their radios programmed, but they still have two others that didn't. Well, you can program those as long as you have your laptop, your chirp file, and and your uh, that chirp file for that operation with all of the fruit, the pertinent repeaters saved onto that thumb drive. Then you can quickly program other radios, or you can make changes to the rate to the frequencies uh, on the radios that you did program. Oftentimes, you'll find that a repeater that's in a directory is no longer in service. You'll also discover new repeaters that aren't updated in the directory, but they're fully operational. So that would allow you to make those changes on the fly during an operation. You want to plan primary and alternate and contingency routes, both for vehicle and on foot in case you have to leave and you cannot use vehicles. It also is helpful to plan trips where you don't go or leave the same way. You don't leave the same way that you went in. Also, have an advance party if possible. It could be a very volatile situation and there could be checkpoints or barricades and things like this that you don't want your main group to run into. So have an advance party up ahead that can call those things back to you. There could also be other road conditions that you want to alert others in your in your group too. So an advanced party is helpful. Have maps of the area and map out repeater locations. It's really important to have maps of the area that you're operating in. And something else you want to think about is an acetate or some type of plastic overlay sheeting so that you don't have to mark up your map. You can just make all of those marks and easily change those Uh, markings with dry erase or grease pencil markings on your map overlay. Have the latest software programs on a thumb drive. And those include your setup EXE executable files. And this came in real handy for us uh, in one situation that I will tell you about in just a minute. Hold a practice net or ops check your gear, especially if you have newly programmed radios or newly downloaded software. Just downloading your software and then throwing it in your pack and running without setting it up uh, could lead to some problems. So you want to make sure everything is set up as you can get it and then ops check it. Conduct uh, a net with a couple folks, just uh, get on the air, do some communications testing to make sure everything's functioning properly. Now, this might not be feasible if 
you are using VHF radios and everybody in your group that's going to be responding to a disaster or whatever it may be. Uh, you may be miles apart where you can't test these out. But if you can, possibly on HF even, test those things out. And also that new antenna that you were hoping to take that you'd never set up before, you might want to take that out and give that a test to make sure you have all the components you're supposed to and you're familiar with the equipment so that you can be more proficient with it in the field. When we got there, it was two degrees Fahrenheit and we were setting up in the dark in 18 inches of powdery snow. No, we were not barefoot and no, it was not uphill, but it was challenging nonetheless. You want to make sure that you have the appropriate clothing for the environment that you're going into and anticipate environments that that you might expect in the season that you're operating in. It could be 35 degrees when you leave, but when you get there, it could be 40 degrees colder. So plan for it. There are a couple of great resources that I want to pass along to you, and we're going to get these linked. One is radioreference.com, and another one is artsipub.com. I'll spell that for you. A-R-T-S-C-I. P-U-B.com. We will put a link to both of those in the highlights and resources posting for this volume, volume 30 of Partisan Radio, so you can click right on through to those. Make sure you have the latest version of the software for your RMS Express, your FL Digi, your Chirp files. How have all of those updated? The other thing that would have been very helpful because it was rather disorienting where we were is to have a regular compass and a map because that's one thing that we realized fortunately someone did have a compass with them i had one as well but it was buried in my gear not expecting to need it but we were a significant distance away from the nearest repeater and even though we had a directional antenna it would have been very helpful, or it was very helpful, that we were able to shoot an azimuth toward the repeater that we couldn't see, but we knew it was there, to shoot an azimuth to that repeater. Since we didn't have access to the internet and phones, it was helpful to have an operator outside the area send us information about band conditions, weather reports, and so on. So, develop the relationships with folks so you can have Stations staying behind on station monitoring in case you need help, but then also feeding you information from the outside that you can't get. You're there to feed information to the outside, but you also need information coming in. The need for having your program software on a thumb drive is very important. During the operation, one of the computers decided that it did not want to initialize the TNC, the terminal node controller, which is a virtual TNC. It wouldn't recognize it. The computer continuously had uh, problems that made it just untenable to be able to, to continue using. Switch to another tablet, which is a great field portable uh, computer for digital operations, but the screen is so small and in a garrison-type setting, uh, we really needed a full-size computer. Well, someone did have a tough book there with them. So because we had the digital software programs and the executable files, we were easily able to download and set up 
and get the other computer operational with the software programs. Have those with you. Another thing, when we were using digital modes, we discovered that at the time frame that we were trying to send a message to another a ham operator approximately 40 miles away, the band conditions were such that voice was completely unreadable. On digital Contestia 4250, we were able to partially copy, but we could not really communicate. One of the ways and one of the things that we could have done is switched over to CW or Morse code. Now, you don't have to necessarily be skilled to use Morse code, but in your FL Digi digital software program, in your operations, your mode, you can change your mode over to CW. It's at the very top. That will get through when others won't. So that could have been a great backup plan that we thought about later. Now, when you go to use a signal link with your radio to send Morse code, uh, it will click off and on. That's when you want to adjust your delay setting up to about the nine o'clock position on your dial. So about a quarter of the way up would be sufficient. That way you can continuously transmit without the signal link clicking off and on. Little tip that I thought I'd pass it along to you. Now, there's something else I want to share with you. It's called the RST. So the signal report, a radio signals report. Oftentimes you'll hear somebody say, hey, can I get a, a RST report from you? Or what's my RST? What you're asking for is the strength and readability of a signal. A lot of times you'll hear folks on the air say, yeah, I got you five by five, five by nine. Good copy, five by nine. What does that really mean? T those two different numbers, five by nine, five by five, one by three, those indicate two separate categories. The first number is readability, how well I can understand what they're saying to me. And the second number is how strong is their signal? So it is a one through nine scale. Now readability is one through five. So a number one would be unreadable. Two is barely readable. Three, readable with difficulty. Four, almost perfectly readable, maybe a couple of minor breaks in there. And five is perfectly readable. I heard every syllable of every word you said. Now, the second number is a scale of one through nine. And that's your signal strength. A one would be faint. Number two would be very weak. Three, weak signal. A four would be fair. Five is fairly good. Six is good. Seven, moderately strong. Eight, strong signal. And nine is what you really want. And that's a very strong signal. Perfect uh, signal and very strong. So when you have a full copy on someone, oftentimes on VHF repeaters, you'll have somebody saying, I've got you loud and clear, full quieting. On HF is typically where you'll hear this uh, RST report giving using the two separate numbers. Five by nine is perfectly readable and a very strong signal. Uh, one by one, essentially, they're probably not going to even hear you or you just definitely cannot hear them. 
it's very common to get about a four by seven signal, almost perfectly readable, but it's a moderately strong signal. It's okay. So four by seven, five by five is good. Five by nine is really what you're looking for. So we're going to post this and a link uh, over to a, a chart that has this. We'll post the chart on there on amron.com as well as a separate posting. Great little tool. Now, let me wrap up by talking about compartmentalization. This week, there was a posting over on a website called Radio Freak, Radio F-R-E-E-Q. It's a WordPress website. This particular posting is titled Militia Radio Frequencies. And as you read the article, you can see it's not just militias, but it's preppers, patriot, militia, these type of groups. Uh, Amron wasn't specifically listed there, but a lot of the frequencies that Amron uses uh, are, were listed there because, well, as we've grown, the Amron frequencies have become standardized among many different Patriot groups. And that's fine. So they've listed militia, Patriot, prepper, communications frequencies on this website. Now, it's not really that big of a deal because, well, these frequencies are on our website openly. We want people to know where to go, where they can tune in, uh, where they can participate in these preparedness nets. But this focused on the what they call a standoff in Burns, Oregon. A lot of readers were disgusted by this. I was not particularly pleased by the verbiage that they used. They typically referred to the, the Bundy and his group out there doing ranch work as militants. Uh, as you can see, they're, they're not acting militant at all. The guns, the firearms are extremely low profile. There are some folks up in a, in a tower uh, with a spotting scope watching the area. They refer to them as a sniper position, even though they weren't snipers. But uh, this frequency list upset a lot of people. Now, I understand it's not really an OPSEC breach because... Uh, these aren't secret frequencies. And we put it on the website, several other preparedness uh, networks and groups. They have their websites with their frequencies out there so folks can tune in. As they were focusing in this article on those uh, individuals out there that are occupying the wildlife refuge, they zoomed in on their Baofeng radios, showing the frequencies that they were using there, this brought a couple of things to mind for me. First of all, there's an extreme lack of OPSEC and COMSEC uh, for those that are operating in the area. Whether you agree or disagree with the, the individuals out there occupying that wildlife refuge, there are still lessons that can be learned that we could all apply in the future. First of all, in the area like that area, there is an abundance of ELINT and SIGINT. That's Electronics Intelligence and Signals Intelligence Collection. There's an abundance of apparatus in the area that's deployed, specifically designed to gobble up all radio frequency. This is set up by the, the federal government. And most of that ELINT, SIGINT, Signals Intelligence, Electronics Intelligence, is focused on cellular data and Wi-Fi collection because what they're doing is mapping the human terrain. In other words, they're connecting dots 
They're building relational matrices. So when someone makes a phone call, who is he calling? And then who does that person turn around and call? And what connections do they have with this group over here? This is called mapping the human terrain. Who knows who? Who are the players? What's the hierarchy? So on and so forth. Now, that doesn't particularly pertain to ham radio or even unlicensed radio, but they also have other collection efforts going on there. Radio frequency collection, VHF and UHF. Now, if they didn't have it before, they are definitely going to have it now, especially since this has been pointed out on the media, social media, and articles like this one pointing to the type of communications that they're using. It would make perfect sense for the authorities to be using uh, electronic SIGINT equipment to be monitoring the communications of those out at the refuge. So some things that you could consider for yourselves in the future, depending on who knows what we could be dealing with. The first thing that should be implemented is radio silence. Whenever possible, use couriers. It's much more difficult to intercept couriers or the messages because you have to physically get your hands on the courier to get the message. Where you do not have to do that with radios. A lot of times radios are overused. And when you're in a situation that might be considered a tactical environment, you want to minimize the radio frequency footprint. Keep radios out of sight, especially if you have a lot of media presence. You should not be allowing uh, cameras or video cameras in a tactical situation because of the intelligence value that that could give to the opposition. But in a case where you might have media, independent journalists, so on and so forth, keep the radios out of sight. The, the frequencies should be set and they shouldn't have to be moved around a lot. The radio should be put away because visible frequencies on the face of the radios are then used to help them understand more what your communications plan is. Uh, there's a lot of intelligence value, including <clears throat> the level of training uh, or certifications that a radio operator may have. Uh, so anyway, keep them out of sight, out of mind. Change frequencies and call signs on a regular basis. Some folks, they just set it to MERS 5 and we just camp out there. When you are in a fluid tactical type of situation, you want to be changing uh, on a regular or even irregular basis. So change your frequencies and call signs regularly or often, I should say. Again, radio silence should be the rule. But when you do need them, stop popping up in the same place every time. Have coded messages with a new code sheet issued every 12 or 24 hours. That can mean various different things. You could even develop alternate 10 code systems. 10-4 typically means, I understand your message has been received. But you might alter that. So when you put out 10-4, it could mean, I need you to come to my location. Uh, you could do the same thing with Q call systems. Now, of course, you can't do this with ham radio. It's not, Ill, it's not legal to obscure or otherwise hide the true meaning of a message. There are no rules or regulations to that when you're on FRS or MERS radios. Now, I understand that MERS and FRS frequencies, especially if you're not licensed with GMRS frequencies, 
is not legal on Baofeng radios, but I'm talking about a principle here that would apply even if you're using a store-bought Motorola FRS radio that's perfectly legal to use, it's also perfectly legal to use codes or other discrete terminology to uh, obscure the meaning of your message. There's nothing against that at this time. You can use a number system with uh, a cheat sheet that you can just uh, blurb out a series of numbers to blurt out a series of numbers to the other party, and they can respond in kind with a, a code system that you develop internally and change those up along with your call signs and frequencies every 12, 24 hours. Stay off repeaters except for emergencies. If there are any licensed hams you know, operating, I don't know about in their area over there in Burns, Oregon, but once again, that goes back to keeping as absolutely a low profile as possible. Use the radios for emergencies, not for chit chat and talking about who's going and coming from where and to where. So that brings us to the, the, the final topic that I wanted to discuss, and that is compartmentalization. These common frequencies that we use, and, and there are multiple different groups. There are religious groups. There are prepper groups. There are community preparedness organizations. There's Amron. There are militias. There's the Salvation Army. There's the Red Cross. There's all these different organizations that, that train and prepare to respond to a disaster situation, either regionally, uh, locally, or statewide. And Amron does everything legal. Uh, we, we train to help our fellow Americans in times of need. And so we, we're not concerned about having anything to hide. On the other hand, there could come a time where you may not want to be on just one standardized frequency or set of frequencies. There could be times in the future where you want to be off the beaten path. This is where compartmentalization is extremely important. For these individuals that are operating, let's say, in Burns, Oregon, they should not be using frequencies that are common to military or prepper circles, which it seems like they've done. They should have developed their own customized SOI, signals operating instructions, specifically for that area of operations for that area and with a plan built in to switch frequencies and call signs and so forth. I want to strongly encourage you to reach out to the Amron operators in your community. Some great, great relationships have been built among some folks that are doing some incredible training together. And they're Amron members, but they also have separate networks that are compartmentalized. It's a separate pocket off to the side, and oftentimes they'll hold their own informal nets, develop communications plans. Although they participate in the regularly scheduled Amron nets, they conduct their own training off to the side with communications plans that aren't published or listed anywhere. And then what they do is they work with other groups that are maybe in two counties away or the next state over, and they become friends and they get to know each other. And then those guys have their own communications plan as well, completely what's called organic. It belongs to them. It lives inside of that group, and it's not spread around widely. However, each of these groups, even though they have their own organic communications plans, 
their own compartmentalized communications, they do have common frequencies that they share with each other so that they can link up. Aside from the larger Amron network, they, they begin building their own network where each of these small regional or local networks <clears throat> can operate independently but still have interoperability and a communications plan with adjacent elements to their left and to their right. And then a separate communications plan for getting a hold of that county's militia. And another separate communications plan for getting a hold of this 3% group. So they're all still connected, networked. But if one or the other or more become compromised, then they're isolated from the, the one particular group in a, in a community. Their information or their communications plan is not necessarily compromised. So... That's compartmentalization, uh, where you don't tell everybody everything about your communications plan, but you still have a common meetup place, a common, commonly shared network where everybody can meet and share information. But then if you have to withdraw, you can still function because you have your own communications plan that's separate from the larger one. I hope that makes sense. All right, now there's one thing also before we go I want to share with you. This is a uh, can you name that tune or can you identify this mode? I was contacted earlier today by an Amron operator who was just surfing through the bands and stumbled across a frequency 8683 on lower sideband. This was a, a very interesting, unique, apparently a digital mode. I had not heard it before, and I couldn't identify it. So we don't have the answer. So it's not a trick question. Does anyone else out there know what mode this is? This happened today, earlier, at on January 24th, between about 2200 to 2220 hours Zulu time. And this was on 8683, lower sideband. give you a little taste of this. I recorded nearly five minutes of this and I'll post it on volume 30 for you guys to listen to. If you want to listen to the whole five minutes of it or four and a half minutes, four minutes, however much it was, and see if you know which mode this is. Now, when I looked it up, according to the band plan, it's used for radio location, but this doesn't sound like anything that I've heard before. Uh, and it was also, of course, very vague radio location. It's very vague. So uh, if you know, send it in and let us know. All right, guys, that's all I got for you. Until next week, this is Artisan Radio. This is John Jacob Schmidt, out. As ready, trained communicators, right up to the present time, radio hams have been busy every single minute. The ever-increasing group of radio amateurs who have equipped themselves at their own expense with two-way radio sets by amateurs who saw their opportunity to render a public service and paid off for Americans in trouble.